For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome, Browns backers. This is Chuck Campisi and Tony Dick, and we are Believe in the Browns. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Before we begin, if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and Luminary, and tune in. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com. And at Believe Podcast, that's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Tony, I thought the biggest thing we might be talking about this week would be Miles Garrett being reinstated. However, we had, uh, what, 157 pounds of uh, narcotics being transported across the border by uh, a guy that, hey, we'd already told him that we weren't re-signing him. So, former Cleveland Brown left tackle, Greg Robinson. Thoughts? 
Well, you know, we've all been 27 before, so I mean, we, let's not judge him. I mean, <laughs> you know, who, who hasn't found themselves with 157 pounds of narcotics in their duffel bag? I mean, that uh, every once in a while that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, hey, it's this. Um, it's and it's not just oh, let's not beat up on the Browns. We're not about that. We want to believe in the Browns. Um, the because we can beat up on the Colts too, because the guy he was with is a former Colt, it, right? Yeah, so there you go. So it's, it's league wide. Um, it's just it's one of those things where I don't think he's anyone that's going to be a part of this squad moving forward. But it, this goes back to what I always say about player development and why player development is so important, because when the news breaks. Nobody knows who this guy is, right? You know, if you're in San Diego, California, um, you don't know who he is, right? But you do know who you do know who the Cleveland Browns are. So that's why it's so important to bring in people of character, because if you do not bring in people of character, and you're, you know, you're moseying through your off season, doing great things, they just, you know, painted the indoor field house and put in new turf, and you know, hey, we got a new coach and we've got a new coaching staff and. Today is a, a new day, right? And, and everything's sunshiny and smiley faces. And then, um, you know, you get uh, Cheech and Chong here shows up with uh, with a duffel bag. <laughs> Where's Dave, of, man? Yeah, duffel bag of the devil's lettuce. And, and now here we are. We're back on the front page. None of that other stuff um, is being mentioned. None of the positives are mentioned. All because of this um, quote unquote bad apple. And um, you know, it's just one of those things, and I and I think uh, it, maybe it's lucky for Miles Garrett because the the story I kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, today was you know Miles Garrett's reinstated, um, but instead of just I'm reinstated, so glad to be back, let's get moving forward. All these things are behind us. The first thing he does is says, I you know he doubles down on the whole I I hit the guy in the head with the helmet because he said the n word, and, and I just. Like I said, I'm not saying Miles Garrett's a liar. I'm not really sure what exactly happened. I mean, there's only, I think, really two people on the planet that know for sure that that's yeah. the case. But I, I just, I just really wish that he had kind of let that narrative go. And I know it's going to come across as okay, whatever. What do you know about this? You've never had to experience it. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe in that. Like, I believe just because I have never been in this exact scenario that I can't comment on how I would react. But the thing is, you just missed six games of the season. You just missed out on a ton of money. This is a great opportunity. The commissioner, uh, and I can't believe I'm praising him, but he, he did the right thing here. The commissioner is giving you an opportunity to start the season over with a clean slate. Let's move past this. And the first thing he does is he tries to drag this thing back into the mud again and it's like you, you know I, I don't know unless you've got audio that's out there that that that's going to uh, corroborate your story shut up shut well, up and play and that's and that's where i would say is i can't say how i would have reacted if i would have been in those same shoes and all of those types of things and and so do i think i would have acted differently you know if i was in his shoes possibly but i don't think the suspension was out of line and i don't think hey that's fine, but I think he could have responded differently right now, yeah. and that's what I would agree with you on, is there's no reason, again, like you said, unless there's audio to back up your story, you've already made this statement, you've already made this claim that he said this, and fine, and he has denied it, and the players on his team 
deny hearing anything from him. And the players on your team have said, we didn't hear anything. We were too far away to necessarily hear anything. So you're not going to get any clarity on the issue. So why extend the problem? That's the thing is you were just suspended. Hey, you got the blessing to now be fully participative in the offseason and that's a great blessing, and it's great that the commissioner decided that. I don't think he necessarily could have legitimately gone and kept him suspended. Yeah. I don't think there was any rationale. I think if actually if he would have done this interview a week earlier, right, then he would have con- been continued to be suspended. Yeah. And because he kind of blamed... Well, yeah, he, he blamed Mason Rudolph. I mean, it, to, in a sense, he said, I take responsibility for my actions, but I was, you know, driven to them by the... And it's like, hey, man, you may have been. You may have been. I'm not supporting you or um, denying what you're saying is true, but you still responded the way you responded. You deserved your suspension. It's over. Bury it. Well, and, and not to rehash, but, I mean, you want to talk about when the story should have come out. How about maybe the minute you got hit, you, you know, you, you got kicked and you hit him in the head with the helmet after the game? That would have been a great time because you were all amped up about something. That would have been a good time to let people know what you were all amped up about. But for you to have not mentioned anything in the heat of the moment when the okay, lights were on you, everybody's asking you why you did what you did, what you completely forgot why you did what you did at that moment? Uh, you were suppressing that. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like you're, uh, and and I can even understand maybe not saying anything after the game to the reporters or something like that. But I can't imagine having something like that happen and him not uh, addressing that to the official yeah. right away. Um, and and so hey, yeah, I that that's I, fine. I just thought, you know, for me though, it just. You know, we're talking about building a team on character. It just it just shows to me that this is a guy that we're leaning on to be a leader. And and what lessons has he really learned? Has he really learned a lesson? I, I mean, you know, not, I, I don't know. I, I don't think from a leadership standpoint that this is someone that I, I want out front if he, if he doesn't know how to handle this. And who are the PR people that are sending this guy out? I mean, I know you can't control his thought. Um, you know, he's going to be able to say and do what he wants. He's a grown man. But you, you think you would have at least advised him, hey, maybe let's let's cool this. Or, or, you know, if you're the team, and it's funny how the team backs him, where the hell is the team pushing for the audio on this thing? If you really truly think this is how you happen and the team's going to come out and say, we fully support him, we support everything that he says, well, then why aren't you pushing for the audio on this to really clear him, you know, I don't well, know if you're going to clear there's, Allegedly, there's no audio. I mean, as the league has said, right? Hey, the the, the QB uh, mics go off at, at at the snap, so you don't necessarily have that. But I mean, there's even players still, mic'd up. I mean, I gotta believe. But that's they say they stop recording at uh, you know until the play's complete, and then I don't know. So we'll uh, see. And I just I would agree with you in that it's it's just something that you would hope you could move past. Um, and then I was I was hoping that was going to be the worst thing because realistically you had a you had a good news conference with with Alex Van Pelt yeah. yesterday where he came out and and now we know okay there's not going to be a quarterbacks coach this season essentially yeah. I mean they didn't come out and say that expressly yeah. but the way he was he's talking about everything and and his ability to work with ba- Baker and his decision to be immersed in that piece of it he's going to be the offensive coordinator and the yeah. quarterbacks coach the question 
does come down to, and we've had this discussion, and we still don't have an answer to it, and he didn't answer the question uh, directly in terms of who's calling plays next year. He said, hey, I could easily call plays. I work for Kevin, and I'm excited to do whatever role he wants me to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've, I've, we've stated on here before our positions. I, I just don't think it's smart for a first-time head coach to put that burden on him. It's one of those things where when you're going into it, you, you want it stripped down as much as possible. I want, I want to be able to focus on the least amount of things as possible, get good at those, and then when I get good at those, then, yes, maybe we can add some responsibilities. But I think for year one, for a first-time head coach, I would think even ownership – would be telling him, or maybe this should have been part of, and I don't know, we're, we weren't privy to the uh, interviews, but this should have been part of the interview process to where, hey, we're not even going to leave a shadow of a doubt. You are going to have someone that's going to call the offenses. Like, who, it, I would have even asked him in the interview, do you have a short list of people that you are going to be bringing in here in order to call the offense? That would have been a question I would have asked. And if he isn't able to come up with a list, or if he insists that he doesn't need a list, well, then maybe that's when we internally say, I don't know if this is someone we really want to go with because we've been down this road before and it hasn't worked. Well, and almost every team, right, that, that where the coaching doesn't work out, it's people are taking on too much responsibility. It's not that they're not taking on enough. Yeah. Um, and so I would agree with you, trying to get things to the minimal state, but I think people want to, quote-unquote, put their stamp on a thing. So, hey, my side of the ball is this side of the ball, and I want to put my stamp on it, and that's the way I'm going to get the respect from these players and all of those types of things. Uh, and so I understand the desire to want to do something like that, but, again, yes, organizationally, yeah. somebody needs to step up and say that's not how we're going to operate. Well, And that's where if, 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 you're, if you've got all these folks in the league that are singing high praises of this individual, this is a great guy to work for, he's a great communicator, works well with people, it shouldn't be too hard then to find someone that can run the offense. You get to work with them the whole entire week, right? Hey, this is what we're going to do when we get here, this is what we're going to do when we get here. You give them all those notes – and then on game day, it's their responsibility to play out the the game plan that you instituted, okay? But you're not the one that's got to think it through because you've got a million other things that you need to be thinking about. You're worrying about game management as far as time management, as far as personnel in and out, you know, all those things. You shouldn't have to be worrying about what the offense and defense is going to be called, you know, going to be called on a play. Now, is this... You think it was a function of the fact that, hey, they didn't have a general manager at the time, and you didn't have that person in the room. I mean, obviously, yes, I know De Podesta was in the room, and, and you might have had some other folks in the room, but you didn't have your quote-unquote football person in the room. Well, it, it, it's it's one of those things that, like, I'm going to this kind of come across as snarky and cynical. I just find it, I find it a little bit funny that you're not going to fill positions that are traditionally filled and I know we're trying to think outside of the box, but just for a moment, let's come on into the box for a minute. You're not going to fill positions that are traditionally there, traditionally filled, but then in other areas, you're just going to create and make up positions and hire for people for those. So if you're saying we're, we're managing staff, well, you can't manage it on the end of the, the, the quote-unquote required or traditional positions, but then when it comes to just some made-up stuff, well, yeah, sure. Let's just hire. Let's hire some more people. Let's create some positions. I, I mean, that to me, um, 
where's the added value in that um, as opposed to the added value in having a quarterback's coach? Someone who's going to be able to work specifically one-on-one with, you know, without a doubt, the most important person on your roster. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, I, I, I think there should be a quarterback's coach. I think the offensive coordinator should be calling the offensive plays. Um, but that's that's not the way we're going to operate here this year. And, and the challenge is, well, you hey, you know, well, Andy Reid calls his plays or, you know, for the majority of their <laughs> career called his plays and Bill Belichick. Okay, so you're talking, you know, arguably the greatest coach in NFL history and then one of the, you know, top 15 best yeah. coaches in NFL history. Right. Like, and, oh, man, well, I guess if they can do it, then this guy, first time out the shoot, yeah, he should definitely be calling everything. Um, so it's it's going to be a challenge, and it's going to be interesting to see um, how these positions take us, especially when you're com- <laughs> when then you look at our defensive staff, where we have a defensive line coach, we have a, a defensive coordinator, we have an assistant defensive line coach, we have a linebackers coach, we have a defensive backs coach who's also our pass game coordinator, we have an assistant defensive backs coach, a senior assistant defensive coach and a defensive quality control coach so it's like we got 87 guys on our defensive staff and and we still have plenty of those rando positions on on offense as well where we have an assistant offensive line coach an offensive assistant and a quality control person so you have your you know your giant nfl staff but we can't hire a qb's coach um and we can't hire an oc to call plays um it'll be interesting to see how how the season plays out um, from that standpoint i did like Van Pelt coming in and saying, "Hey, there were some very specific things that he's going to work on yeah, with, ba- was with Baker." Baby. Yeah, and even just something simple where, you know, I think, you know, the the article um, that McManaman had on on the Athletic there, you know, he was talking about it, and they were like, "Well, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily mess with stuff because, hey, there were folks that, uh, you know, came in and, and changed uh, Chris." You know, Chris Palmer came in and changed Tim Count's grip. Okay, I think changing your grip on the football and changing your footwork yeah. are two very different things, especially when you look at the the list of some of the things that, that he's worked with, um, the guys that were able to make that change. And, hey, that's some, you know, granted Ryan Lindley's not high on that list, but when you're like, hey, Aaron Rodgers modified his footwork to, to yeah, match well, this, and Tom re- Brady modified his foot, then it seems like, okay, if that's what the people who are excelling in this role are yeah. doing – then, hey, it's at least worth a shot to see if we can get you to adapt your footwork a little bit to make it easier. Well, in, in, in reality, uh, I mean, everyone is adjusting their grip to the football when they make the move from college to pro. I mean, the ball is simply bigger. Well, yeah. I, I mean, so, you know, but with the footwork. But moving the it, positioning of yeah, the hand, you're yeah, generally not yeah. doing that. But, right. the, uh, but as far as the, the, the footwork goes, I mean, if, if – I guess what makes me happy is uh, he's 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 making suggestions based on the fact that he's looking at film, which is uh, you, you know that that I guess I'm I'm super excited about that that we actually um, we've got someone in and they're looking at the film and they're 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 full speed ahead because I I think you know we've said here um, we, I feel like we're behind everyone else um, you know in that regard and and hopefully we can play a little catch up I know it's one of those things where we still have time. But uh, in the reality, our coaching staff is, you know, two to three weeks behind everybody else, um, yeah. if not more, depending on when they got brought in at the end. So, um, I don't know. I, I, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think it would have been nice, though, once again, getting back to the uh, 
the Robinson and Garrett. It, it, it would be nice if we could go through an offseason without these. It just feels like we haven't had one of those off seasons in a long time. Well, it, and I was hoping, I was hoping, that's where I was hoping the Garrett thing would be the biggest thing. Because that was, yeah, it was, it was pain in the assy, but it wasn't a complete and total disaster, like you said, with the Greg Robinson thing. And yes, I understand he's not on the roster anymore. And allegedly they weren't considering bringing him back. And based on his performance the last two years, that's probably a good thing. But as you mentioned, nobody knows who Greg Robinson is, but everybody knows who the Cleveland Browns are. So having guys just being associated uh, with the team that are in that way, it's, it's tough. Um, Yeah. And you know, as far as him not being good enough, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's on the roster, um, which just goes to show you, once again, how far behind we are on everything that, that and, you know. And actually, uh, you know, he's still on the ESPN's going to update their roster. He's still on the uh, ESPN Cleveland Browns uh, roster. So hopefully we can we can get him off there by the end of the day today. Uh, right? It's it's tough to be on the roster if you're in prison. Um, but you know, let's do let's do remember he is innocent until proven guilty. We don't know for sure. That might have been his dog's weed. It may have been his wife's weed. I mean, we've we've had you know he may have it may have come with a duffel bag. Sometimes you don't check your bag when you buy it. Yeah. Um, somebody it might have been a used bag that he bought. He also is currently on the Browns roster on ClevelandBrowns.com and is uh, listed as our starting left tackle on the depth chart. So. Uh, might want to talk to those PR folks just just yeah you just know. one more time give them a little reminder now to go back to Van Pelt a little bit though <laughs> well, wait, wait, well while they're in there uh, go ahead and change some of the uh, incorrect stats on autogram too like, yeah well uh, I, you know <laughs> or Jim Brown statue but um, <laughs> hey um, with it, and it was mentioned Stefanski and is bringing in a little bit of the zone blocking scheme. Um, that he learned from Kubiak um, to Cleveland. I think that will help the offensive line perform a little better as well. And I think, as as is stated by a lot of folks, that look for Nick Chubb. He had a breakout season this year. Look for a lot of that next year. Uh, I think he's going to have another monster year next year, and it's going to be pretty impressive. I mean, I would put some money down on him potentially winning the running title. Um next year especially if and if we can get baker hitting a little bit more based on some of that footwork i think this offense could be dangerous uh, if we can shore up those tackles that's going to be the big thing you got you need a right tackle and you need a left tackle and you look at some of the guys they left uh they let go over uh, the past few years and yeah, you know. and you kind of wonder where you know i mean you got a guy that's you know like mitchell swartz that you know, it was just essentially the best tackle in the game this past season. Yeah. I think they said didn't allow a sack or something all year. Yeah. That was you know, drafted uh, by this organization and and not uh, deemed worthy of, of re-signing, I guess, Uh at the conclusion, well, of the, I mean, you look at the last three Super Bowls. I mean, the last three Super Bowls have been just chock full of, you know, our linemen and you know, guys that 
just weren't good enough to be here, but you know, they're good enough to be the starting center for the Falcons, you know, <laughs> you know, and take them to the Super Bowl. They're good enough to be, you know, your left tackle and, and uh, you know, for the Chiefs. It, it's just, I don't know. It, it goes back to, uh, yeah, I mean, know. you wouldn't want Alex Mack, you wouldn't want Mitchell Swartz, you wouldn't want Betonio, you know, I mean, no, none of these guys. No, I, I mean, you don't, uh, I don't know. It, it'd be tough to, to have to, juggle all those egos if you got a whole entire think about that a whole line of pro bowlers like i mean that's a lot of egos to juggle it is and, it is you know. all right i'll give you that I'll and plus you that. uh you know if you need to score some uh devil's lettuce uh you know i don't think any of those guys fall in that category i don't i don't see any of those guys as being a a weed guy yeah <laughs> if yeah, that's what you know uh, unfortunately right for uh <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, you know, we talked about the running game. Have we gotten a um, – where are we at on that? Because I heard some high praise for uh, for for Kareem Hunt the other day also coming out of uh, Cleveland, and, and I'm not sure where are we at with that one. Um, I, I'm hoping, as, as we have stated and you have stated multiple times, um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of – you can – everybody doesn't have to be the choir boy. Um but everybody doesn't have to be a complete and total asshole either. Um, so I would hope Kareem Hunt will not be sticking around. But based on um, some of the stuff that we have heard um, from folks we know in the building and, and seen written, is that it's, it's not quite a done deal that he is, he is going to be gone. Um, it looks like they may try to... Uh, keep him on the roster and and see what he can do, um, which I don't know if I necessarily agree or disagree, but I, I think I would feel better if he wasn't on the roster. Yeah, like you, you don't want a choir boy. I get that, but you also don't want the the kid that's drinking all the communion wine either. Uh, you, you know, you <laughs> it's uh, and he I, he has talent. Unfortunately, that talent is not attached to. A brain that is able to stay out of trouble, and you know people. You know it's funny how many people rush to his defense for the whole, you know, kicking someone outside of his apartment door. You know when he could have just simply gone inside, closed the door, and called the police. Instead, he decided he was going to start pushing people and kicking people. Um, bad decision, obviously. And then you know clearly driving around in a car with any amount of. Uh, illegal narcotic is probably not. Well, I guess we probably know where he got it. Yeah, well, <laughs> making a, making assumptions, making assumptions. I mean, man, I'm just saying. Once again, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know how close their lockers were in the locker room. I guess I'd have to I'd have to look into the training facility and uh, and find out who was sitting next to whom. But usually, usually the running backs. I mean, in the locker rooms I've been in, uh, they're not generally too far from the offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, and the offensive linemen are usually in order. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got your right side of the line, and then your centers, and then your left side of the line, and then, you know, and then you got the lockers kind of continuing on there. So, um, could have been could have been close proximity. So. Yeah. But yes, I would I would feel better if he wasn't necessarily on the roster just from a maturity standpoint. We really need to up that for the entire roster, and I think the coaching staff coming in is attempting to set that expectation and I'm 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 bullish on our coaching staff. Tony, yeah. I will say that. Even though I, I disagree with 
Stefanski calling the plays, and I would like to see uh, a quarterback's coach. I am very bullish on this coaching staff, specifically compared to last year. Um, so I think they can handle certain things, but I think sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze, and and I would put Kareem Hunt in that category for for this roster. Yeah, if he was stepping into a different roster, if he was stepping into a New England or something like that, or Baltimore, fine. I could see him, you know, fitting in because of the coaches in those places and the respect that those coaches have earned. But sliding into this Browns roster, I just, I don't think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Well, uh, the last thing I had here, and we don't have to, maybe we'll set up for our next podcast here just to think about it. Uh, you know, around the corner, we've got this um the CBA here that's, you know. Oh, you want to get into CBA. I was thinking Underwear Olympics is coming no, up pretty man, soon. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's more something you'd want to talk about. I, you know, I'm trying to stay, <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from that. Uh, no, the, the, uh, the, the 17th game here. It looks like this might be something that becomes a hang-up, um, you know, on whether or not we get a deal done in a, a timely fashion. And uh, I guess maybe thoughts on that. Well, it wouldn't even be a 17th game because if you're looking at the proposal, it would also be an 18th game for a lot of teams because if you're adding extra teams to the playoffs, um, how are you making that work? Yeah. And and it, even if it is, hey, you know, a couple extra teams get a bye or however you want to work it, but that does mean multiple teams are then playing 18 games, however you want to stretch it out. Um, even those teams that lose then with the bye week or without the bye week, um, it's, it's going to be a lot more um, stress on those players. So I would hope uh, I'm a Players Association backer through and through. Um, there's a lot of difference between a billionaire and a millionaire that people don't realize. I told my kids, I got a finance class, Tony. I told them in the finance class, if I gave you a dollar a minute, right, how long would it take you to become a millionaire? How long would it take you to become a billionaire? You become a millionaire in 12 days. Mm -hmm. You become a billionaire in 31 years. <laughs> I'm willing to wait. So, or, or something like that. It might not be 12 days. It might be 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 12 weeks. It's 12 weeks. 12 weeks to 31 years. So that's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Yeah. And... You know, so I'm always, I'm always backing the players on that. I hope they get the money... Uh, if they, you know, go to 17 games, I hope those salaries go up exponentially. Well, yeah, the only thing I say for that is, you know, I feel bad for the fans because, you know, they keep talking about adding these games. Well, you know, you add these games and you're increasing the price of tickets, even for teams that are underperforming are still adding. You know, yeah. I mean, now, now all of a sudden you've added another cost to, uh, you know, a season ticket holder. Right? Well, my thing with the 17 games, that uh, one of the things that I always said is the reason you don't have odd game number seasons is because then you don't have any odd even split for home and road. Yeah. And what owner is going to want to give up a home game every year to his competitor, yeah. right? So unless the revenue sharing also changes for those games, it's going to be interesting. The goal, I would think, if you're going to do that and you're the NFL, is that the 17th game... Technically, somebody is going to be designated the home team, but it's going to be a neutral site game. 
Yeah. You know, so like I would love to see get. Hey, you know what? Let's do a game in Columbus. Let's do a game at the Big House. Let's do a game at Penn State. Let's do a game at Alabama. Yeah. And then you have the international games as well that could fall yeah. into that. Let's not take a home game away from any one game. Well, they used to do that. Uh, they used to do that in the '60s and '70s. They would kind of barnstorm a little bit. That's back when they had at one point there was six preseason games, and I remember I want to say it was like '73, '74. Uh, the Browns actually had a preseason game. Imagine this. Um, at the big house in Michigan and uh, down in Columbus at the Horseshoe, as kind of a you know way to spread the game yeah. a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I think that would be a, a great way to do it. Um, uh, how they how they would set that up, I, I don't know. But um, well, it, I mean, the college season ends. I mean, I mean, obviously, you probably don't want to play high value games at yeah. non at neutral sites, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you're the Browns and they happen to be going towards the playoffs. They probably don't want to play that late December game in Columbus. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that would easily be a way to do it because the college season is over by that point, and you can play those games in those yeah. stadiums and and have those things and set them up well in advance. You know who you're going to be cross-rivaled with in certain things uh, from a league standpoint. So it would be nice to say, hey, you know what? If the Browns are playing the the Lions, it's going to be at the big house. If the Browns are, if the you know, no, the, I'd, I'd uh, be uh, awesome uh, to see the Chiefs, Chiefs and the Broncos in Nebraska. I yeah. mean, that would be oh, it'd be great. Uh, it'd be a huge deal. Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't think they're going to do it that way because no. I don't think the owners would because they'd be giving up some revenue to be able to do yeah. those things, and then the players wouldn't be making as much out of that 17th game as they probably should. So I think that would be that's going to be the challenge there um, yeah. from having done, you know, I mean, yeah. you and I have both taught that the well, we have a pro sport management class. Uh, we've done the deep dives on the CBAs, and, and it, it was interesting kind of how all that stuff breaks out and how they're going to do it. Uh, I'm tuned in. Although I thought the, the most recent NBA, I thought there was going to be some kind of strike or lockout. Um, and man, they pulled that thing off with, you know, it was seamless. Yeah. I mean, you didn't even hear anything. It was like, hey, we're meeting, and all of a sudden it's done and signed. Um, although they didn't make any massive changes in terms of seasonally. Uh, yeah. It looks like their next CBA might be the one where they're trying to fiddle with the schedule a little more than they are here. Um, but yeah, yeah. To me, NFL. I think there's too many preseason. I, w- I would just eliminate two preseason games and just go to 18 games. And then you got your nice even number and. You got people paying for games that are legitimate games. The only thing that concerns me a little bit with that is we've already seen how teams like the Browns this past year they just treated the preseason as if it was just a ridiculous exercise. And then when we got into week one and two and we were terrible, the thing was, well, you know, it's the first two games of the yeah. season. We're still getting our feet wet. It's like, yeah, because you did not participate at all in the preseason, which is, you know, that's what it's there for. So yeah, I agree. I I don't know. I'd I'd love to see. The schedule will stay the same. I'd love to see it grow if we can do something a little different. If it's just 17 or 18 games and it's the same stuff in the same places, you know what? I'm I'm fine with it with the way it is. If you're going to give me something new and exciting and entertaining, potentially, out of this, not necessarily from the sports standpoint. Obviously, the game is going to be the game. But you're putting it in interesting locales. You're trying to do some things to to grow the fan base, and I don't know why I care about that, but I just think it would be nice if if you're going to expand everything, then try to make the game bigger, well, and, and you have a platform to do that. And, and at times, I don't even know if it's so much growing the fan base as it is taking care of the fan base that's in a 
place where they can enjoy. Like I, yeah, I mentioned, more remote. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City. I'm sure there's Chiefs fans and I'm sure there's Broncos fans that are in Nebraska, yeah. but they don't have the ability to go to those games. So, so to take care of those places where they're they're football crazy places, yeah. but they don't have a team would be amazing. I mean, I, I was thinking about Alabama. Like Alabama, I'm sure you could you could put any combination of teams there, and people would go crazy over yeah. it. Tennessee, they've they've got yeah. the facilities. Like move a Titans game. You know, to Tennessee, to their stadium. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, any of the SEC ho- schools could host it. Any of the Pac-12 schools, yeah. any of the Big Ten, realistically, could probably host an NFL game uh, in certain markets. So so it would be awesome to see some of that yeah. stuff take place. And, and I would be all for that. Otherwise, it's fine, right? More football is not bad, but yeah. more football is not necessarily good either. Yeah, especially if you're if you're dealing with injuries and you're you have all of those types of things, and now you're just running out of roster. Well, and you don't want to have the uh, the you know the uh, NBA equivalent here, where you got somebody's locked into a, a playoff spot at the end of the year, and now you got you know half the roster sitting down, and you know time management. We're gonna yeah sit out our guys for this last game, and yeah. So now you're in Nebraska and you haven't seen football, and all of a sudden you get to see the second string Broncos play, uh, you know, because the first string decided they're gonna sit down and. Cryo chamber and get ready. Yeah, and we see that already in week seventeen. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the bye week, so why wouldn't we necessarily see that in multiple weeks? Uh, if if you add a game, so yes, I agree. It doesn't necessarily make anything better. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make anything worse either. It, it'll be an interesting play. Yeah. So I just thought I'd bring that up. All right. <laughs> well, we'll get more into it as it approaches. As it approaches, believe me, I could talk CBA all day. I love it. But uh, I know some folks on the listening to the pod may not necessarily be their cup of tea. But, but that's all we got, Tony. It's yeah. believe in the Browns. Chuck Campisi, Tony Dick, brought to you by the number one podcast network for professionals. Believe. Chub check, and uh, bag check that. 157 pounds next time, right? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.